Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wesson Walker in the middays from 12 to 3. We are live from the Spectrum Center. Hornets GM Mitch Kupchak selected four players in the NBA draft last night on top of the other members in the front office. You have Brandon Miller at number two. You have Nick Smith Jr. at 27, Mm -hmm. James Nagy in a trade up to 31, and Amari Bailey finishing out draft night. Four different selections we'll be hearing from these players today. That press conference will start at 2 o'clock. We're going to carry that. And in the meantime, here at the Spectrum Center, we're going to give you our thoughts. We want to hear from you as well. 704-570-9610. That's the text line. 704-570-9610. Wes, how are you feeling a day after the draft picks? Maybe people are checking on me a little bit more than you today. Sure. I will address it in a moment. Mm -hmm. But let's start off with some positivity because I know you are in love with the picks that they made. And I know you (laughs) like Brandon Miller a lot here at number two. Yeah, I think that he was a really good fit. Uh, I'm not surprised that they drafted him. We talked about yesterday who would benefit LaMelo the most. And I said that I thought that Brandon Williams would because just, uh, I mean, Brandon Miller would because of the catch and shoot capabilities, the way that he can shoot the basketball and LaMelo would still be in his natural point guard position. So I think they made a nice pick. The Queen City, uh, a large contingent of them may not agree with me after some of the reactions from last night. Uh, I think that Nick Smith Jr. is a kid that uh, top three recruits, so there's a lot of potential left there because had he not been injured, this could have been a guy that could have gone in the top five to ten selection. So I think there was great value there. James Najee, you and I were looking at some highlights right before we came on. He looks like a supreme shot block. Should we lead off with his defensive highlights or should we just <laughs> you lead were off really with the excited. You I were was. really excited about that. <laughs> and, uh, and then young Amari Bailey who I watched on their uh, reality show that he had about Sierra Canyon. Uh, checked him out so I think that was great value in the second round as well. So I feel like the Hornets did a really good job getting some young kids in here that can play and I'll be interested to see how this roster is going to take shape if these guys formulate to the type of players that I'm sure the Hornets feel like that they can be. All right, there's your appetizer. There's your sound bites. There's your analysis from one Wes Bryant. Let's dig into the main course right now. Pull up to the scene. Pull up to the Spectrum Center. We've got Flounder back at the Planet Kia Studios filling in for Fitty for just a couple of segments. So, Flounder, I don't know if you have your bus driver's license, but let's try it out. Go ahead and open (laughs) up the door. Let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! I don't know if you have the fan reaction sound from yesterday, but it was not great. Just let me know if you're able to pull it up. But everybody got to see it. If you're on Twitter, if you're on social media, you do know that the fans weren't exactly thrilled with the second overall selection in Brandon Miller. Mitch Kupchak was asked about it by our very own Willie Pete. Hey, the Spectrum Center, the draft parties, they were booing once they made that pick. He said, what do you mean? 
He said, yeah, they were booing the Brandon Miller selection, and he said, I was not aware of that, and then he moved on. So if we have that sound of the fan reaction, let's play that for you right now as soon as that pick came in and the and the fan base um well we won't have to go to it so we'll just not do that right now that's my fault i put flounder in a bad position but it wasn't good wes and to me this is the thing man like no i did not want brandon miller at number two i wanted scoot henderson and i had spent five weeks saying that i wanted scoot henderson and i'm not going to backtrack from it that's exactly what i wanted at the number two overall pick but I don't want to do hater radio until October. Okay. I don't want to do hater radio for the next four years because <laughs> they made it. That's not what I'm about to be. I'm going to be somebody that still pulls for Brandon because I want the best for the Charlotte Hornets. And I want them to get to the first round of the playoffs. I want them to win that series. I want them to get to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time in franchise history. And if Brandon Miller is somebody that can do that better than Scoot Henderson can long term, I will gladly raise my hand and say I was dead wrong. I was loud wrong. And let's hope that it can actually happen. I did not like the booing. Because at the end of the day, I don't love people booing the kids that are having their moment, being drafted that high. That's not anything that I was about, and that's why you didn't see me do that last night. What say you on the fan reaction we got, Wes? Well, sometimes I kind of enjoy it because you like always the booing of no, the kids. But, but what I'm going to say is okay. that the adversity can lead to an extra chip on the shoulder of the player, and they can end up turning into uh, a really great player that the fans will have to come back and then apologize for uh, for making a pick. Can I interest you in Kristaps Porzingis? He was booed on draft day. Steve Nash, he was booed on draft day. Steph. Curry was booed on draft day. Can you believe that? So I would think that a lot of those fans who booed those guys came right back and immediately had to apologize. So sometimes uh, the necessary pick isn't the most popular pick. And I think that's where the Hornets are trending with this pick. It may not be a guy that the Hornets fans are in love with today. But I mean, listen. I think outside of what happened off the court, and maybe if this guy would have had a bigger uh, NCAA tournament, I don't think you'd get that type of reaction. The kid was a first-team Associated Press All-American. The kid was the SEC Player of the Year. The kid was the NABC Freshman of the Year, and he hit 106 threes last season, leading the SEC, and also shot 38.4% a clip, and we talked about the free-throw percentage as well, so there's a lot to like with this kid. I'm not sure just from a basketball aspect why the fans booed this selection because this is a kid that does have the requisite accolades the requisite size to be able to be the number two pick but I think some of the juice that Scoot comes with I think a lot of fans like that I think the fact that he's a bit clean as far as off the court stuff goes and I think like I said you already see the shoe deal that he got he has a lot of pizzazz a lot of juice and I think the fans wanted that they wanted somebody that was going to have our favorite word to use around here that's very punny they wanted the guy that has a little buzz, a little mm-hmm. sauce. So I think Brandon's going to have to work hard in those regards. But as far as just his his resume, his pedigree coming in here, I certainly think he's a guy worthy of the pick. All right, let's read some of your text. Again, the number is 704-570-9610. We have a lot of reaction. Vernon writes in, disappointed in the pick. Miller has to play the two, starting five, LaMelo, Miller, Miles, P.J., and Mark, Terry, Gordon, Martin off the bench. Terry can't start if this is a serious team. So Vernon wanted 
uh, to go with Scoot Henderson, and he thinks Brandon Miller will actually play at the two spot. We'll dive in a little bit more in the rotation the next segment. The Oracle, we saw him out at 10.58 last night. Fun time at the NBA draft party. The Oracle, who predicted a mock draft, I think, a little while ago. That's why we named him that. He said, hey, guys, had an awesome time with you last night. So excited for the Miller and Smith Jr. pick. Good to meet you, Walker. Nothing but great vibes. The Oracle writes in, so it was really cool to see him. Myron Goodman, he wrote in, the the best pick as far as the value the Hornets made was Nick Smith Jr., but the job can't be done as some trades do need to happen. A lot of other people are right again how they don't like the pick here, Wes. So that was your point to say you're not exactly sure why the fans didn't mm-hmm. like it. Mm-hmm. And we do have that sound for you. After all, here is the crowd reaction watching the pick <laughs> coming in, not exactly being thrilled with Brandon as that selection. The Charlotte Hornets selection. Brandon. Ooh. Yeah, man, the the expletives, the expletives are are adding a little bit of hot sauce to it. You know, the expletives are a little too much. The crowd reaction, we had that same reaction really at 10:58, not with that same vitriol. Mm-hmm. We had the crowd react. You put out a video. Yes, you put out a video at 10:58. I don't know if we had any expletives. I don't know if you need to come with the NC17 <laughs> rating, but certainly that soundbite did. Yeah. Before we move on to the next segment. I think Brandon Miller has a lot of things that you can like. You mentioned all of the accolades. We got to see him play because if you look at the top five picks, Wes, only one, our guy, played college basketball at a top level. Sure. We didn't get to watch Wimby every single game. You just heard what the media was saying about him, and you got to watch highlights. We didn't know about Scoot Henderson as much except for what we were talking about, and even still, that was able to infiltrate the opinions of fans' minds, and they wanted Scoot. But how about the Thompson Twins going 4-5, and five, overtime elite, even a step down in competition from the G League? So now that you have four out of top five guys that are relatively unknown to what we're used to in previous NBA drafts, Maybe that's what will get people excited going back and watching Alabama film. And it's somebody that you've already become a little accustomed to because of college basketball still being superior as a popularity sport compared to G League and others. Yeah, and I think this was one of the first drafts where we see kind of a changing of the guard. All those guys that you just talked about coming from non-traditional spots. And I think we're going to see more and more of it. But I still think nothing will make you a bigger star than college basketball. Uh, I think that Brandon Miller, as you said, the fans do need to go back and check out a little bit more film, dig into those numbers, because I feel like, as I said, if there wasn't the the off-the-court element to this, I think the fans might have been much more excited. But I want to know, Texters, what specifically about Brandon Miller don't you like? I I would love to know that, because there's a lot to like there, and I think he's a guy that's going to turn a lot of those boos into cheers uh, in a short period of time. All right, that is the voice of Wes. I'm Walker Mail. You're listening to Wes and Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We are live at the Spectrum Center. Players going to be speaking. Everybody that was selected last night by the Hornets. There are four players. Honestly, thought there would only be like three, mm-hmm. and you'd get more than just one trade. One of the trades they made was to go up and get James Naji, and that's why they didn't take all of their five selections. We'll be hearing from some of those players a little bit later on in the show. It's going to be jam-packed. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stick right here with us. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wesley Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We are live from the Spectrum Center. It's all quiet right now. Calm before the storm. But at 2 o'clock, we're going to be hearing from the players drafted last night. Should be a lot of fun to see exactly what is going to be said. And we'll have you covered here on WFNZ. That's going to happen at 2 o'clock. I think 2.03, Wes. Official, almost like an NCAA tournament game. That is definitely an explicit (laughs) time right there. 2.03. We're going to bring you that coverage. We're going to air that presser. And then afterwards, we're going to hop on and talk more about it. I think Willie P is stopping by. We're going to see if we can get any players. We're going to see if we can get Steve Clifford. We're just going to see exactly who is ready to talk to us. We don't know. Sometimes these shows are a little crazy. Don't exactly know. The rundown, it's a lot of blank space with just headliners basically saying, be ready for whatever. It's like a mystery box when you order from a clothing place and you don't know what's going to be in it, but you know it's going to be something dope, and so that's it. What's the best thing you ever got from a mystery clothing box? Uh, I, I actually recently did my first one. I did it with the Nipsey Hussle's clothing line, the Marathon store, and it was pretty good, man. It was great value. The sweatshirts that I got in there, because the sweatshirts are normally $100, 150 yeah. a piece, and the shirt's about $50 a piece, and I got the box for 150 and uh, I got five sweatshirts and five t-shirts man i was thrilled with what i got i might have to do the mystery box thing yeah it's pretty have, cool yeah i see you uh, wearing a lot of marathon stuff it looks yeah, great yeah so we'll see uh maybe i can get they on had that. one not too long ago too i was gonna get it but i held off all right well good for you you have a lot more discipline than i do because i know i have a problem with some of the algorithms and the ads that find me let's go to the text line 704-570-9610 you asked okay if you did boo the pick then why did you do it? If you didn't like the pick, then why? What is it specifically about Brandon Miller that you don't love right now, and what do you want to see him improve on? So Spence wrote in, Brandon Miller does not have finishing post moves. Also, he shows no handles at Alabama. He's not thrilled about it. So what I would say about that is the finishing at the rim has to improve. It has to, okay? You can't shoot under 40% in half-court possessions at the rim as a 6'9 perimeter player. You're going to have to rely a ton on hitting mid-range jumpers and all your three-point shots. And, Wes, even with the best shooters, you're going to have times where you go one of nine for three-point range. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that rolling with you and you still finish at a below 40% clip, then that's going to have to be something that comes by sooner rather than later. The NBA does a great job of putting weight on you. And that's why I've never held it against skinny players that come into the league and saying that's going to be an indictment on why they fail going towards the future. But it's a real red flag. It's a big one, Wes. When you talk about still the most efficient shot being shots at the rim Mm – and he's not good at it right now, that's something that has to fix itself as somebody that might be playing in the front court. Now, one of the things you like is the fact that he can play shooting guard, and once you go to the backcourt, LaMelo, your franchise player right now, Brandon Miller, 
I guess could be your franchise player as that second overall pick. 6'7", 6'9", arms everywhere if they play good enough defense, can stay in front of their guys, and the strength not only needs to help Brandon offensively, but people are going to push him out of the way defensively too. And so that's another reason he needs to put on weight. How critical do you think that is for Brandon to reach his ceiling in the NBA? Yeah, we've seen countless players come into the NBA needing to put on weight, but a lot of it, these guys are really young. Brandon Miller's only 20 years old. Uh, He's got time to grow into his man body because that's going to happen naturally. And so the NBA also, the Hornets are going to have him in that strength and conditioning program. So he's going to put on weight naturally. I could see him topping out, adding about probably another 12 to 15 pounds as his career goes on. The finishing at the rim, I feel like also is something that will come. Uh, I would rather him have to work on that than have to work on the shooting aspects uh, of the game. No shots taken at uh, Scoot Henderson there. Oh, but Scoot needs to improve. But I would, I would rather that than uh, the latter when you talk about th- those aspects of his game. But obviously none of these guys are coming in finished products. I mean, Wimby is as close as we've gotten to a guy that – has no weaknesses as a player as any player that's come into the league in a while so you can't expect these kids to come in here just ready to go because it's like the things that the fans are going to complain about with them okay well what if he could do all those things then hell he would have been battling Wimby for the number one pick if he would have had a complete flawless game so there's going to be some flaws there there were flaws with Scoot there were flaws with all these guys and even Wimby well, has got some small flaws well I mean if Brandon Miller was a great prospect he'd still be second because Wimby is seven okay right, right I mean right, he's not be one. <laughs> but if he was just a complete prospect and just could do everything and averaging 25, 30 points a game last year, I mean, maybe, maybe. I'm living in an alternate universe, yeah, you, I guess you which, could say. Which, or, or I mean, hey, I hope it happens. Well, this is – so this is what I also want to ask, too. Mm-hmm. I want to ask what people's expectations are for Brandon Miller this year. Mm-hmm. And, and then you can even give me what your thoughts are beyond. But I heard Jeff today say that he wants Brandon Miller to go for 19-5 and five his rookie season. That's a lot, Wes. I mean, 19 points, I get it. High expectations, second overall selection, but I don't expect him to start right away. If he does, then great, because that will mean that he's done either a great job this offseason or that Steve Clifford wants to use Gordon Hayward and at least just limit his minutes a little more because of the injury history. But even then, it's going to be tough to start over somebody like a Miles Bridges or a Terry Rozier, and we know that Steve Clifford – I think it's been a little overstated at times that he won't play rookies. We just saw it last year, some of that out of necessity, some of that because he liked Bryce McGowan's, because he was always going to give James Booknight a shot at the beginning of the season. But it doesn't mean that, to me, Brandon Miller is going to come in and start right away. Yes, different regime with James Borrego, but not with Mitch Kupchak. And what did they do with LaMelo as that third overall pick? They sat him on the bench, and he didn't start until February. I expect something similar here with Brandon Miller. The reason that the Hornets were in this spot is because they suffered a ton of injuries. This is not the same type of NBA team that you usually see at the top of the NBA draft. What you see here is a team that lost Miles, that had injured Gordon, that had injured LaMelo, that had injured Cody Martin, that had injured injured Dennis Smith Jr., that didn't play Mark Williams for the first half of the season. And so when all of that talent isn't available, you're going to lose a lot of basketball games. And so when those guys come back, they're going to be good enough players to get you in contention for a play-in spot. And when you have those guys come back, it means not as much opportunity as typically seen for a number two pick. Be careful with the first expectations. I was a Scoot fan. And I'm telling you that we're not going to figure out if this was the right pick after just one year. 19-5, and 20-5, maybe even 15-5 and in a starting spot. 
Wes, I think that's asking a lot for the first-year player. Yeah, and I think it just depends. I mean, we talked about how the college game, and I looked up the numbers yesterday, and when you're talking about uh, zone defenses and the condensed space on the court, college teams run the zone on average about 18% of the time, when the NBA it's around 2% of the time. So just the man-to-man and a little bit more the floor spacing, the pace that the Hornets play with. Why do I say all this? Because it just depends on just how good he comes in immediately. In the NBA, you're going to have to earn your playing time. We know that. So does he force his way onto the court? Because when you brought up the book night thing, we knew book night wasn't ready. He came in, and you could see some of the things that people talked about as to why he wasn't ready to be a part of the rotation. But what if Brandon Miller comes in, and he is ready to go, and he is as advertised? Those shooting percentages, the scoring, the almost 19 points a game translates over to the NBA game, and he's coming in getting buckets off top. Then I think there are decisions to be made. But I just think that off top right now, when you talk about all of the veterans on this roster at this moment, he's not going to get enough playing time to get 19 points uh, right now, and especially not going to get that green light to go out there and be able to get that 19 points when you've got a Terry Rozier out there, you've got a Gordon Hayward, you could potentially have a Miles Bridges. It's just too many talented vets for a rookie to come in and average 19 points a game. So I think that's a little bit far-fetched, but I think that he could be a guy with the minutes I feel like he gets, if he's going to be a part of that second unit, he could be in the 10 to 13 range, perhaps, especially if he ends up being the lead dog with the second unit. So I think that's the best that we could hope for at this point. But if he does come in and he's as advertised, man, he could end up forcing his way uh, to either getting a lot of minutes as a rookie or into the starting lineup. But that's going to be really tough for him. Yeah, 704 number wrote in. Larry Johnson was a freak. His rookie stats were 19.2, 11, and 3.6. Miller won't get close to that, and the expectations should not be that. I agree that it's going to be really hard for him to reach those type of numbers just because of the situation that he's going to come into. If you look at Scoot, this is what I'm not going to do, right? If Scoot Henderson comes in year one, the Trailblazers trade Damian Lillard because they just feel it's time to move on from that core. Damian Lillard is the best Trailblazer of all time. So now we can have Damian Lillard go to a different team. We'll trade him, try to recoup some assets. And now it's the Anthony Simons and Scoot Henderson show. It's a new era. In that new era, Scoot's going to have all the opportunity in the world, Wes. Ultimate green light. Who's holding him back? So he might come in and score 20 points per game. And what I will not be doing is telling you that because of what happened after one year, say, oh, that's it for the future. Bad, bad decision for Brand, for uh, the Hornets to take Brandon Miller because you have different opportunities. This is not something that I'm going to be taking a victory lap over. I expect Scoot to have a lot more scoring opportunity, especially if they trade Damian Lillard. Victor Wembanyama with the Spurs, they were tanking to get the number one pick. They were not in a situation like the Hornets where everybody got injured, and then that's how they got down there. No, they came in on a mission. Remember, the, <laughs> the Hornets The Hornets beat them by 20 in the first game of the year. Yeah. The Spurs knew what it was. They did. Th- this season is for Wimby. We're going to lose. Then when we get Wimby, we'll figure it out after that. So even with these guys coming in, you look at a Wimby, you look at a Scoot. Thompson twins, it's going to be a little hard for them to beat Brandon, uh, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, Wimby in a rookie of the year type of vote. But different opportunities mean, di- mean different things for these first-year basketball players. Yeah, it does. And so, But you know the fans, and you know how they're going to react when they see the Scoot highlights every night uh, on social media and they see him putting up those numbers. They're going to say, see, that's who they should have taken. That should be the guy. But uh, I think you can't jump to those conclusions, especially, like you said, if it ends up being a Scoot and uh, Anthony Simon show. 
though. It's going to be a team that's going to be drafting at the top for quite some time. But I think the Hornets, as I said, all in all, uh, made a really good decision. I think this guy fits in uh, very so well. Now you're, so so you're back. I don't – no, I, I, the, off the court, I still don't like it from a PR perspective, being a, a, a Charlotte native and having to deal with if you potentially bring in a Miles Bridges to have two guys with these kinds of dark clouds over them coming into the franchise. As I said, I can't stand getting really good players at a caveat. But as far as just the game itself and what I think of him, I do think that he is uh, a good fit, and I do think he has a chance to be a really good player. And I've, I've never really wavered on that. That aspect, I just don't like the off-the-court uh, optics of it. Well, the work ethic, I know that's something and you question something, a little bit yes. too with Scoot and and yeah. So I'm look, you hold me definitive. This with is, Miller, this, this is, yes. This is I, this is something I'm trying to do with you. Like okay. you went to Scoot. So now, like, and that's okay. No, and I, have I love it. I love, no, I love it that you <laughs> that, that you bring it. And and I guess what I'm talking about, I'm talking about it from a potential aspect because he's here, and this is what we have to deal with. I'm with you. But as far as yes, you are very correct. I did say I did not like uh, what I heard about the second workout, him having to get a little bit of a kick in the pants with Michael Jordan being there. Yes, you're very correct, and that's going to be a very interesting aspect. Yeah. And I'm glad you can hold me accountable all day <laughs> long. I love that's it. That's what we do. So, we we are held accountable that's right, here that's on right. Weston Walker. That's right. Yeah, I wanted Scoot. And if Brandon Miller comes in and wins Rookie of the Year <laughs> and is amazing, you know what? I will be loud wrong, and y'all can clown me on the text line. Yes, text yes. me. My number is 704-570-9610. That's my number. Yeah, Get at me. Yeah, so I think that that's going to be something to watch going forward is just the work ethic. Is he a guy that's going to come in from day one uh, ready to work and doesn't need to be – uh, you know, just be pushed to be able to reach his potential. Yeah, so 704 is saying thank you, Wes, for breaking down. Brandon Miller, 910, said, um, excuse me, we're rolling down. Oh, Big Cat Dan said, well, yeah, That's a hard shot right there. Oh, it is. Well, there's a lot of <laughs> off-court jokes for Brandon Miller. We're, we're doing a lot of that. Big Cat Dan on the expectations said 15 to 18. So still pretty lofty expectations for someone coming in in a crowded front court. Uh, Big Cat Dan said, I think some pieces will be dealt giving Miller those minutes. And so at the front court spot, it's going to be really what do you expect from Miles Bridges? We all assume is coming back. And is Gordon Hayward going to be traded? And I think that's a good assumption if you want to make that. That's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Terry Rozier, the same thing. And Terry might create some opportunity for Brandon. And Brandon is that guy. I don't see him playing much for it all next year, Wes. Because Me neither. If you try to still break down basketball by pinning guys to certain positions, then it's a little old school to do that. If there is any truth behind some of the positions that they play, to me it's really all about who you can guard. Offensively, Wimby is – I don't even know what he is. I, I, don't, I don't think of him as a guard. I think of him as like a small forward, but also a center. I, I don't know. Like you can put him anywhere you want to. But if it's all about who you can guard, then Brandon Miller right now – at least right now, with his thin frame, there's going to be some powerful power forwards that are going to be able to back him down to the post, yeah. and it's going to be really tough. So guarding twos, can he stay in front of them? And also, can he stay in front of some of the athletic small forwards out there that are the Jason Tatums, the Paul Georges, all of the high-end comps that we've put on his Brandon goat. Miller? His goat, Paul George. He doubled <laughs> down, Wes. He continues to double down, saying Paul George is his goat, even over LeBron. I, is LeBron just going to destroy him if they see each other? Oh, yeah. Lakers, yeah. Hornets. Yeah. As if LeBron – this is a good question for you. We know LeBron is always taken into the Hornets more so because MJ owns the team. 
we all know the fast break dunk, looking right at him, jam, yeah. looking at MJ <laughs> down on the court, yeah. looking right at him in those breakaways, getting triple doubles. Does he take it easier now that Michael Jordan is selling majority stake, or does he still give it to him? because he's still part of the organization. Exactly. And now Brandon Miller is calling Paul George. Exactly. Guy. You know it. Uh, LeBron's definitely cut from that cloth. He's going to be with the petty, and he's definitely going to make sure, even if Michael wasn't a part of this team anymore, he knows that yeah. he once was, and he knows that he's going to monitor this team every now and again. So he's going to make sure that when he checks those box scores that he sees that LeBron James played unbelievable basketball against his Hornets. Mm -hmm. But now that he was not called the GOAT by young Brandon Miller, you know athletes find any reason Reason, the great ones. They find any reason to get up for a game. So I could easily see LeBron uh, blowing by Brandon Miller and just saying, uh, that's your yeah, goat, huh? That's right. PG's your goat. Th that's that's you right. sure? Uh, yeah, I can I can see the trash talking <laughs> already. Yeah, 704 wrote in. Yeah, and trust me, Walker, we will clown you. Do trust with laughing face emoji. This is this is the part about being a radio host, oh, man. Yeah. You got to lean in on your opinion sometimes. If you feel that conviction, Say it with your chest. We are Leonidas. We step up and take <laughs> all the arrows for the Army. So we're, we're here for it. Uh, just a couple of other comparisons real quickly. Uh, Miller reminds me of Durant is Ooh, one text that we get got. that. I mean, seven-foot Durant, a little different. Thin <laughs> frame, though. Durant did not need to put on any weight. We do know that. 704 agreeing. LeBron will throttle Miller. Dougie Fresh wrote in Rashard Lewis. That was another real yeah, tall shooter. Yeah, I thought shooter. that was a pretty decent comparison when I when I think about that because he wasn't overly athletic. The handle wasn't crazy for him. But a 6'10 guy that was a shooter, man, shot 38% for his career and had some seasons where he went from about 2000 to about 2009 to where, you know, he was a baller. He was a bucket. Rashard Lewis is a great name to bring up. I do want Brandon Miller to be a little more well-rounded. It seemed like Rashard was more of a, a spot-up guy, but mm -hmm. I like Rashard Lewis as a name that you could bring out there and make that comparison. All right, let's send it back to the Planet Kia Studios. Flounder, I think, is still filling in. I don't know. I didn't. I don't know if Fiddy has taken over, so we can go back. We got a mystery it, box of producers. Yeah. All right. Let's let's have this be a mystery box. If it's Flounder, then let's go with the Flounder feed. If it's Fiddy, let's go with the Fiddy Flash surprise. Right now, let's open up the mystery box. It's all right. Yeah. All right. There he is. Where's my boo? It's still me, but I still oh, played his intro. Oh, I got you. Box. You did get him. I got you guys. All right, what you got? All right, well, let's take a look at the rest of the lottery picks from last night. Uh, not, I wouldn't say a lot of surprises, but uh, Victor Webanyama, of course, goes number one overall. Scoot Henderson, third to the Portland Trailblazers. You got Amen and Asor Thompson going back-to-back -to, -back to Houston and Detroit. Anthony Black, sixth to Orlando. Uh, Bilal Koulibaly going seventh to Indiana, but he's going to be headed to Washington. Meanwhile, the pick after them, uh, Washington picks J. Rich Walker from uh, Houston. Taylor Hendricks, nine to the Utah Jazz. Kaysen Wallace, 10 to Dallas, but headed to OKC. 11, Orlando, another guard, by the way, Jed Howard. So they are loading up in the backcourt. Derek Lively gets picked at 12, but going to Dallas. Grady Dick goes off the board in the lottery at 13 to Toronto. And then Jordan Hawkins goes 14th to the Pelicans. 
Uh, which one of those is there one that stands out to you guys as your favorite non-Hornets lottery pick? I love what the Thunder did to get Kaysen Wallace. The fact that they were able to parlay that into maybe the best defender, certainly on the perimeter in this NBA draft class, somebody that can also shoot. We know that Kentucky will bring down some of their prospects, and they're not able to thrive as much. And then when yeah. they go into the NBA, boom, it all happens at once. Love what the Thunder did. I really don't have a huge problem with any of these picks, to be honest with you, in the entire lottery. Everyone I like. Yeah, I was a guy before the draft. You remember I said I liked Anthony Black uh, out of Arkansas. I thought he was just really smooth and had a, a nice game, especially the creativity and the passing game that he had. So I'm going to go with that. It felt like Orlando had 100 picks. And when I kept looking up and kept seeing that logo, I said, good Lord, how many picks uh, does Orlando have? And then obviously Derek Lively representing the ACC uh, like that pick as well. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do out there in Dallas. Maybe be that, that Tyson Chandler 2.0 for them. All right, it's Weston Walker live from the Spectrum Center. We'll continue to break down the NBA draft from last night. But we also had a college baseball game that, despite the result, was one of the better games that nobody was watching because of the NBA draft. We're going to update you on all of it right here, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Weston Walker Show live from Buzz City out here at the Spectrum Center on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on that text line 704-570-9610. Follow us on social media. Hit that follow button. Check out the content. We're taking you behind the scenes every single day, giving you all the good stuff that you don't get to see or hear on the radio on the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram, HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram. At Walker Mail on Twitter and Instagram and at Wes Bryant underscore 72 on Instagram and Twitter. And now it's time to go to the campus. Count. Echo in here. Oh, we got a little switch up today. Okay. Well, my Wake Forest Demon Deacons this season is complete. And for the 23rd consecutive year, the number one seed in the NCAA baseball tournament, that is, does not win the Natty, okay? But they did finish the season with program records and regular season wins, ACC wins, ACC series wins, postseason wins, and overall wins. But the game last night was absolutely insane. Rhett Louder and Paul Skeens, two top ten MLB pitching prospects, went at it. Louder, two-time ACC pitcher of the year, seven innings, only allowed three hits and struck out six on 88 pitches. And big Paul Skeens, the guy that ESPN cameras could not get enough of, and he won the 2023 Dick Hauser Trophy 
He went in as well, eight innings, two hits allowed, nine strikeouts, throwing 120 pitches. The game went into extra innings until LSU hitter and former NC State Wolfpack player. Nice little fun fact for you there. Tommy White sent my Deeks home with a two-run home run, walk-off victory in Omaha. So that's it for the Deeks. Strong season for them. Ended in heartbreaking fashion. It really did, and it's really unfortunate to see that Wake Forest is a team that's no longer playing after the regular season they had. And, Wes, I didn't expect it to happen. And LSU proved to be a formidable opponent the first time around. They dodged that bullet. They were able to move on, and then they had to beat LSU a couple more times, and they just weren't able to do it. That game was crazy. I did. It's crazy because we were covering the NBA draft. We were at 10.58 doing our show, and then we stayed after, and then I had to do Locked On Hornet stuff, and then I got back and still was able to watch the finish of that game because it went 11 innings, and of course, we got to see the walk-off homer. It was a fantastic game. You had the one moment that really stopped Wake Forest from actually getting to the championship series. Watching that tag at home plate, it's still tough to watch because you know just how close you were and that eventually LSU would hit that walk-off homer. Great game. Bad result for people that were polling for the local team. I was. I was a Diamond Deke this week, Wes. I absolutely was polling with you. I wanted them to win. But that was just the icing on the cake for anybody that did not like the NBA draft and how it went. And if you were pulling for the local team and then they lose in that fashion, tough sports night, but still a great regular season. What do you make of this, Wes? Like, is this something you're going to look at fondly or are you going to think, man, this could have been one of the most dominant seasons of all time and they just weren't able to put the cherry on top? Well, the thing for me was that was a bit frustrating was just I felt like the way they celebrated after they beat Uh, LSU the first time I thought that that was a bit much and I thought that they were getting out a little bit ahead of their skis when you talk about how the game ended up uh, for them this time and I felt that these guys were just maybe not necessarily the the happy to be there vibes but I just felt like that it was a bit much they hadn't finished the job yet and for them to be celebrating the way that they did when you saw Danny Corona in the locker room and then I thought the kiss of death was when Cam Manasi, their great closer, got up on the podium. And I'm normally all for being candid. But when you get up there and you say, we can't be beat and who can beat us, uh, that's not pretty good. It's especially, cool if you win. Especially when you did not win the ACC tournament and you had just lost to Miami a couple of weeks prior. When I saw that, my stomach dropped because I said, that's the kiss of death for the Deeks. And I felt like at that point, they were a little bit too out in front of themselves. And the end result was... Uh, he he Manasi got smoked on that last pitch and how poetic was that so I was a little bit annoyed because I felt like the Deeks uh, could have and should have gotten the job done but they didn't and in baseball you definitely have to earn it through nine innings and in this case it was extra innings so it just wasn't meant to be yeah it's really hard to try to summarize how the season was because I think you do look back at what happened and it was a historic season for the Demon Deacons and then It's not that you were horrible. I mean, sure, the offense wasn't there the last couple of outings, and that's going to be really hard to live with, I would imagine. But it's not like you lost to some team that was barely getting in. It wasn't some crazy upset. LSU had a great record coming in. We know about the pitching prospects. You were tired of hearing about the pitching prospects. (laughs) You were very tired of hearing about all of that. But they came in, and they limited Wake Forest to – 
zero runs. Like, yeah. they didn't allow any run. And they, I mean, that 11th inning, they Nick were able Kurtz, to hit that home Brock run. So Wilkin, it was really tough. Yeah, Nick Kurtz and Brock Wilkin, two great prospects, guys that hit over 20. Uh, I think Kurtz had 24, 25 home runs. And then we know Brock Wilkin broke the ACC single season uh, and career record for home runs. They were not even there. Uh, aside from the defensive play that Brock Wilkin made, he might as well not even have showed up the way that those numbers look because they couldn't buy a hit if they had a black card. So uh, it just didn't turn out well for the Deeks. But overall, when you look back at it, this was their greatest season in baseball history, and this was a fantastic team. So, Walker, uh, over and unders came out for ACC win totals, and CBS published an article about this, Chip Patterson. And so among some of the more surprising totals that you may see, and then some of the ones you might have expected, Clemson over and under uh, at 10 wins, but Duke at six wins. The disrespect continues. And listen, I'm a Wake Forest guy, man, and I've been defending Duke so hard, and, and this is absolutely nuts. Uh, Florida State's over and under is nine and a half wins. Look at the Canes at seven and a half. North Carolina at eight and a half wins with that tough schedule. NC State at seven. And then my Demon Deeks, uh, they are catching a little bit of disrespect, in my opinion, as well. Six and a half wins. So are there any totals there that stand out to you that you feel like are either uh, right on point or a bit egregious? You said Duke was at six? Yes. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, that, this is a team that greatly outperformed expectations last year. This is also a team that returned a lot of their starters. Mike Elko was coach of the year. And so I don't understand why they're barely getting bowl-eligible respect on these over and unders. I don't know. It, I mean, it feels so misguided that you almost wonder what's up. Unless mm -hmm. you're just talking about nationally, people still not knowing about what the Duke Blue Devils are all about, which is totally possible. That is something that locally, maybe local uh, the, the local attention is something that would be able to kind of... Um, be able to get over this mm -hmm. hump and make you actually have some intel on this but it is weird Wes like I yes you're clearly the Duke football fan between the two of us but I've never wavered from giving them sure. a, a quite a bit of respect sure. Riley Leonard is the real deal winning coach of the year and then having the eight nine wins that they did last season mm -hmm. that's something that Duke should be respected for going into this year for sure yeah and they predicted losses like Clemson Notre Dame Florida State Louisville Wake Forest and Carolina and I think those latter three Louisville Wake and Carolina those are definitely games they can win on top of me thinking that they're going to upset Clemson to start the season. And then for Clemson, their predicted loss uh, comes at the hands of Notre Dame for the second straight season. But when we come back, it's time to trend on the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.